you are listening to the Flash F1 podcast with Gil and Mark. Welcome to Flash F1. I'm Mario, along with my co-host Luigi, and we're here to talk to all of you about Mario Kart and Formula One. Power-ups and level-ups, passing and pitting, we've got it all here. So buckle up and watch out for those Goombas. Mark? And bananas. What about the bananas? <laughs> what? Oh yeah, you don't want to slip on those bananas when you're in those carts. That was such a great introduction. Thank I, you. I, I'm assuming it's because uh, we're going to be talking today about the Italian Grand Prix. Yes, yes. Hence the Mario, yeah, the Mario yeah. reference. Okay, very cool. Yeah, it was a great race. What did you think? I thought it was a great race. And you know we're going to get into Leclerc and all the stuff that happened throughout that race. Uh, a great uh, a great race for uh, Ferrari and you know where it's being held we're going to be talking all about that. This string of great races that we've had just extends four, five, six races deep now. It's been it's been remarkable, and I have to say, and I definitely wasn't thinking, and I've shared this before, there was a point where I basically had a long speech written up about how damaged the sport was and how terrible this season had been after you saw that monster start by Mercedes where they went 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2. But this is turning into possibly the best season of the hybrid era by a huge margin. So I, I don't know, man, this race was a total banger. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break and get back to it. Nice. I'm a Luigi, number one. Instagram and Twitter. Search for Flash F1 Official. For folks that are new to Formula One, I, I think one of the things that's really important to recognize is the importance of the really history and legacy rich national GPs. And when I talk about national GPs, I talk about things like the German Grand Prix, the British Grand Prix, the Spanish Grand Prix, the French Grand Prix, the Italian Grand Prix, and even to a much lesser extent, maybe the, the Russian Grand Prix. These events, for the most part, have been on the circuit, have been on the calendar for decades and decades and decades, and really represent the bedrock of the sport. Uh, none, maybe more so really than the Italian Grand Prix. The Italian Grand Prix for decades has been hosted at a stunning track near the village of Monza, north of Milan, in, in the beautiful countryside of Italy. The, the track itself has taken a number of different configurations over the years. Uh, even today, there's different iterations based on the series of vehicle that's going to be racing there. The Formula One cars race on a 5.8 kilometer track. It really only has maybe four, five, six really mild corners. In fact, if you look at a topographical view of the track, it's a very, very, very basic track. There are no really sharp hairpins. The track doesn't turn in on itself. It has nowhere near the complexity of a modern circuit like you might see in Austin or you may see uh, next year in Vietnam. It's a very, very basic track. But what that means is that the cars for almost the entire lap are at full throttle. 
model. So cars that typically produce a significant amount of horsepower and a lot of top end speed typically do very well at this track. But for that reason, it can also be very, very, very exciting. So this year, I think we saw exactly that. So again, I'm just kind of teeing this up a little bit. It's a historical track. It's been around since the beginning of time. The fans in Italy are absolutely bonkers about the sport. And specifically, they bleed red. And I'm not talking about the organic color of human blood, but rather the color associated with the Italian supercar producer Ferrari. They are absolutely diehard adamant over the top Formula One and Ferrari fans and it's seen every single race and, and it's interesting because if you look at a race in Austin or you look at a race in um, maybe even a Brazil or maybe a Montreal or a lot of the other tracks you'll see fans and you'll see some flags and you'll see people in the crowd that wear their favorite team's gears they may be flying a national flag but when we talk about Italy the crowds are red and the banners are huge and the flags are crazy like it's really really and I've never been and I think this has to be a bucket list both for Gil and I especially as hopefully this podcast becomes more popular over the next couple of years and uh, we continue to gain followers but it's absolutely an incredible event from an atmosphere perspective and I think maybe the closest parallel would be European football European club football European national football uh, Europa Cup uh, UEFA um, the Champions League Think about that level of atmosphere and intensity, and that's what this track delivers. Now, despite all of that, Ferrari hasn't actually won an event here in almost a decade. So Ferrari fans, Italian fans are overdue. We're overdue for a win going into this weekend. But yeah, really, it's a fairly simple track. There isn't a ton of elevation, but because there aren't a ton of corners, cars are typically almost full out the entire race. In fact, when cars approach the first corner, they're typically doing about 340 kilometers an hour in eighth gear. Like this is a track that absolutely caters to high horsepower, high speed cars. So with that, maybe we jump into the race. Uh, well, when we start with qualifying, let's talk with qualifying. <laughs> so as Mark said that with the dominance of... Why would we want to talk about qualifying? Well, what happened at this race that made qualifying so relevant? Well, let's put it this way. This was the craziest qualifying I have ever seen. This It went it went really quick. You know, it went one, two, and three like any other qualifying. But just the, the circus act that went on in this qualifying, we've got in Q1... You know, Perez, he stopped the session because of uh, power loss. He pulled over to the right. The session was stopped. And I think one or two more times, the session was stopped throughout uh, the qualifying. We had there was uh, some mechanical issues, kind of the yeah, norm. That happens. Like that yeah, happens. Yeah, because Raikkonen uh, in Q3, he stopped the session because he had a crash at the last turn at Parabolica turn uh, just before the... Parabolica? The, uh, oh, yeah, Parabolica. That's it. Jeez. <laughs> I, I, w I would like to think, I would prefer to think that you got that wrong rather than try to make it into a really inappropriate joke. So I'm just going to assume that. Uh, I don't speak Italian. I don't speak Italian. Oh so my I had to sound it out phonetically. Pair of balsica. Parabolica. Parabolica. Thank you for correcting Parabolica. me. Parabolica. So he stopped the session. And then when the session got back in Q3, under two minutes left, everybody went out yep. to do their outlap. Yep. Yet nobody put in a time. Yep. Everyone was waiting for all the other drivers to kind of start off. Everyone didn't want to be behind another driver and do like yeah. a double toe, triple yep. toe, camel yep. toe, whatever you want to call it. No one put in a time. It's, it's crazy. So to give everyone a little bit of context, all these cars descend from the pits back onto the track. 
And it's expected that they're going to start putting in some hot laps and posting their qualifying times. They don't because nobody wanted to break from the pack and put in a time because they all wanted to get a tow from another car. And what ultimately ended up happening was this ultra slow parade of Formula One cars, like just slowly gliding around the track. In fact, the, like you saw the drivers, like they would go into a corner and pretend to go, Ooh, yeah, I'm going off track. Wide. I'm going wide. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be the one that has yeah. to set, set that, set that yeah. kind of rabbit track. Or, it was, or there were drivers in the front who would go uh, off the uh, escape route yeah. just to be like, to go to the back of the pack. So they would get the toe. It was, it was a, a total joke. And you know, it, rather than us having to go into the complexities and the technical explanations of getting a toe from a, another driver, this is something that I think Chainbear or Google might be able to help you with. But ultimately, none of the cars wanted to, I don't know, sacrifice themselves for the betterment of the group and put in a time and ultimately allow other cars to get a toe based on their positioning. So ultimately, none of these cars put in a time. The clock basically just ran, ran out, out. And you had all these cars just like cruising Coasting. around the track. Yeah. So yeah. again, if... And we talk about how great the Italian fans are, but if I paid to come in on Saturday yeah. and see qualifying, and this is what I see. Yeah. It was a shame for the sport, yeah. definitely, because they were all just pretty much nursing their 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 time and their position. And when we talk about Toe, they wanted to have like an aerodynamic advantage yeah. uh, for, for their qualifying. And in doing so, going behind another driver who is taking up most of the resistance yeah. uh, allows another driver to then pull out and and And, and, and blast, blast Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and nobody wanted to be that car that benefited somebody else. So they just waited and waited and waited and clock ran out. And from a Canadian perspective, it was kind of disappointing because Lance Stroll had a great qualifying day. And, and it's interesting because he always seems to qualify well in Italy. He qualified on the front row in 2017. Mind you, that was an, an absolutely crazy rainstorm, but he was looking really, really good. And unfortunately, he didn't maybe get the position he would ultimately have loved to get, but he still qualifies in the top 10, which is nice. But ultimately, it was a joke to your point and there was a lot of condemnation of the sport on the Saturday because of what had happened and again if I was a paying fan and this is what I saw I would have been pretty pissed or if I'd seen it live and unfortunately I didn't get the opportunity to see it live but if I'd seen it live and of course we're on the west coast of North America so we're getting up at 4 or 5 to watch this I would yeah. have been pretty choked so we'll just end off with the qualifying with the results for that qualifying despite the the, the, the crappy Q3 yeah. no time put in where everybody stayed where they were at uh in um, in pole, we've got uh, Charles Leclerc, we got uh, Lewis Hamilton next, Valtteri Bottas in position three. We have Sebastian Vettel, Daniel Ricciardo, Nico Hulkenberg in sixth, Carlos Sainz in uh, seventh, uh, Albon in eighth. We got Stroll ninth, Kimi Räikkönen in tenth, and then we got uh, Giovinazzi in eleventh. Magnussen takes twelve, Kvyat at thirteen, Lando Norris qualifies at fourteen. Gasly at 15, Grosjean at 16, Sergio Perez at 17, uh, Russell and then Kubica at 19 with Max Verstappen at the back because of his power loss problem uh, during qualifying. So we see Charles Leclerc fresh off of a win in Belgium. He wins the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa. Um, you know, he'd, he'd had some bad luck this year. Obviously, he was in a position to win in Bahrain, and he had the power loss, and ultimately, he didn't win that race. And I think a lot of people were just like, when's it going to come? When's it going to come? When's it going to come? He wins in Spa on the jump out of the summer break. Uh, the sport relishes the win. Third different win of the year. Third different constructor to pick up a win. We go into the Italian Grand Prix the following week. Now, remember, there was no weekend by here. So they go yep. straight. they go straight from Belgium 
to Italy, Italy straight. Yeah, you know, so Charles Leclerc, the, the entire sport has no time to rest. They go from one high tempo uh, track and environment into another one. So kudos to Charles Leclerc. He qualifies on pole. Yep. Awesome. Uh, we go into race day. And race day, there, there was maybe a little bit of concern that'd be some moisture. There'd be a little bit of rain. And for us, I think based on what we saw in the German Grand Prix, like I'm always a fan of throwing a little bit of moisture out there because it mixes things up and it makes the race a little bit unpredictable. But ultimately, it ends up being a dry race. Mm-hmm. And on the surface, so again, if you're listening to us, you know what the race was a week ago, you know that Charles Leclerc won. So we're not going to keep teasing and teasing. But on paper, it doesn't look like this was a great race. You know what? You had a winner who won based on the fact that he qualified on pole. So you know what? That that doesn't sound exciting, but in practice, it was actually a fantastic race and there was a ton of stuff to talk about. So Charles Leclerc may have won this race and he may have been on pole, but he had to fight like crazy to keep on to that position. This is a track that's made for Ferrari. Yes. It's in Italy. Yeah. The Ferrari um, plants are in like uh, Marinello yeah. and there's a ton of Ferrari fans. Ferrari has set their cars up for top line speed, yep, straight line true. speed. That's true. This track, they're going full out all speed. It, it totally benefits Ferrari. Yeah. The last, even the last race, that last track also benefited Ferrari. Where Mercedes, totally. their cars are set up for cornering. This track, I, I, I didn't doubt that Ferrari was going to do really well in their home track based on the way their cars are set up, based on the way that this track is set up. For listeners that are new to the sport, the general consensus is that this year's iteration of the cars uh, has Ferrari with a power advantage over Mercedes. So Mercedes may be winning the races, but it's generally agreed that Ferrari has the most powerful power unit, but that Mercedes has the most capable car in terms of handling and balance. So Ferrari might be really great on the straights, but Mercedes is ultimately better in the corners and they can kind of pick up time there. This track, as we described a little while ago, is really based for based on kind of straight line speed and caters to cars that are really, really capable. So to your point, this race was teed up 100% for a Ferrari win, and that's ultimately what happened. And I think what's really special about this, and I've never seen anything quite like this, the absolute mayhem that descended on the track at the podium was unlike anything I've ever seen. And I urge you, urge you, urge you, go to YouTube, look at some photos. The fan reaction yeah. to this was crazy. It reminded me of like uh, watching like all the fans at a Blackpink concert. There were like tons of fans. They were like all over the place. There, it, was, it was amazing. It was great to see that for Ferrari. As much as Mark and I are Mercedes fans, yeah. Hamilton fans, but just the love and the, just the excitement and the, that, that the Italian fans gave to Ferrari for that win. It was a long time coming and it was it was amazing to see. They rewarded the fans so by all accounts, this was the best attended uh, Italian Grand Prix of all time, which is really remarkable when you think about the dominance that Michael Schumacher had with Ferrari yeah, for in the last years. couple of decades, but that this was the greatest, most well-attended event. And for Charles Leclerc to be able to deliver a victory for that team and for that banner is really powerful. And it was crazy too, because you look at the footage. So the fans basically descended out of the stands onto the track at the podium after Charles Leclerc managed to win the race. You know what? We had Bottas nipping on his heels, but he wins the race. The fans were there en masse for hours after. Like typically people stream out of these events as soon as they're done because they want to avoid traffic. Not in Italy. Like they were celebrating through the night, which is really, really special. Not something that we're accustomed to seeing in North America, especially for a motorsports event. 
that said, it wasn't all it wasn't all champagne and trophies for Ferrari. Lap six, and I'll, I'll let you share your thoughts on this one. But we we've talked a lot the last couple of podcasts about Sebastian Vettel. So mm-hmm. Sebastian Vettel, the 32-year-old number one driver for our Ferrari, he won the world championship with Red Bull in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. Hugely accomplished driver. But he's he's had some struggles the last couple of years, and he's made some relatively unforced errors. We talked a lot about what happened in Canada earlier this year where he made that mistake and he ultimately gave up the position to Hamilton because of a five-second penalty. There have been a couple of other instances. In this race, he's in fourth place on the sixth lap and he spins. So it's an unforced spin on a dry track, which is which is really, really crazy. He then proceeds, so he spins off the track. So he's now sitting on the grass. He's not on the track at all, but he's sitting on the grass. He now proceeds to return directly onto the track, oh, yeah, clipping clipping yeah. Canadian Lance Stroll. Yeah. So Lance Stroll then spins Same out, time. and now Lance is in possibly the most dangerous position ever because he's, he's now... In the corner. Yeah, he's in the corner, half on the track, half off the track. But it's the nose of his car that's pointing out into the middle of the track itself. So he's in a supremely dangerous position. So Sebastian Vettel makes this unforced error on the sixth lap. You know, it's bad enough to make that error. You know what? Check the traffic. Presumably you can see. I I know that drivers don't have a a ton of visibility, especially when they look left or right. But to proceed directly on a track and sacrifice another car is absolutely unacceptable. So he does that. Lance Stroll then, and I'm going to be a little bit more forgiving of Lance because then he proceeds to do the exact same thing that Sebastian Vettel did, which is he then proceeds to go right into the track. He forces Pierre Gasly off, who has to drive through the gravel. But the thing is, in in Lance Stroll's position, he's in, especially after what we saw last weekend in the F2 race, he's in a hugely, hugely compromised and dangerous position. Exactly. He he was in one of those positions where I think he just needed to get to safety and you know maybe there's a little bit of damage and some collision, but he needed to get out of there. From a Vettel perspective, totally, totally, totally appalling. Your 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 thoughts on well, this mistake. What I took away from those two incidences was, okay, Sebastian Vettel made a mistake. He's off track. He's an experienced driver, yet in his mind, I don't want to lose position. I want to get back on out on the track, onto the races as much as possible. But from a safety perspective, he could have launched right out. Another car would have hit him. He tagged Stroll. Yeah. Stroll goes into a, a similar situation. Yeah. And but Stroll is pretty much complaining on the radio that oh Vettel did this Vettel did this it's un- unsafe yet he does the exact same thing so that's like the kettle calling you know the the the, the domino black domino black <laughs> I don't know like you're, you're, <laughs> oh man but see like for for me though I, I'm gonna be more forgiving of Stroll just because. He's not in a position where he can wait. Like, the front half of his car is on the track. He can't sit there and wait. Like, he can't sit there and wait for somebody to collide him. Like, Sebastian Vettel is off the track. He's not compromising anybody's race, and he's not in a compromised position unless somebody makes the exact same mistake. But ultimately, it puts him in a position where he picks up three additional penalty points. And a couple of years ago, Formula One instituted a program whereby if you collect 12 penalty points in a rolling 12-month window, you actually receive a one-race ban. Um, Sebastian Vettel has now accumulated more points during this duration than anybody else. He also is now just three points away from a one-race ban. So he picked up three points. In addition to the in-race penalty, he had a 10-second stop-go penalty, which destroyed his race. And again, it was well-deserved. But he's now just three points away from getting a one-race ban. So we talk about the struggles that he's had. You know what? 
it's tough. He goes in, he makes this mistake, he compromises his race. In the meantime, he's in Italy driving for Ferrari. And yes. His teammate wins the race. Yeah, that's that's the thing where Vettel is labeled as number one driver. You know, he's had all these wins. He's had all this experience. There was a lot of hype around Leclerc at the beginning of the yep. season. He's had uh, a few uh, mishaps here and there, some his fault, some not his fault. And then he becomes the the golden child, the golden boy for Absolutely. for this uh, race in Italy. Like you've got a lot of Ferrari principals and and investors and people oh, there. Yeah. Just the entire ex- yeah. entire Ferrari ex- executive is there, plus all the executive for their sponsors, the fans. Like if there was ever any question, you and I talked a lot about this this year. It's like, hey, who's one? Who's two? Who's one? Who's two? If there was any question that Charles Leclerc is now the number one driver at Ferrari, that question is put to bed. This is his team. Yeah, there is a shadow cast upon. Uh, Vettel that 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 race for sure for sure but it's got to get him thinking it's gonna probably this will probably get him motivated more or uh to to perform better for for the next races going forward like hey I'm get, being shown up by my number two driver when I'm supposed to be you know the teaching one. him yeah and, yep. and being the number one and schooling him but uh you know great for Charles Leclerc in qualifying like he did it from start to finish right from qualifying to yep. winning the race so you can't take any way, anything away from him. You can't say Vettel this, Vettel that. Yep. Uh, it was all Leclerc. He, he put in his uh, his performance. In a seven-day span, this guy goes from never having won a Formula One race to winning the first one after the summer break, then going into... And let, let's be honest, this is the Italian Grand Prix is kind of like the home race for Ferrari because you're racing in front of Italian fans, your home crowd. He goes from winning the Belgian Grand Prix to winning the Italian Grand Prix in like a seven-day span. Like, this guy's got to be on top of the world. Yeah, and you've also got to think, too, that the, the two wins are completely different. You know, the, the win previous to this race, he had his friend um, uh, pass away, yeah. um, uh, Antonio. So the the, yeah. the emotions are very different. You're absolutely right, and I never yeah. considered that. Yeah, and going into this race, you know, he's, he's, he's won this race. He can relish it a bit more yeah. knowing that. And probably some of the stress is gone. That pressure of winning a race is gone. Hey, he won a race. Al- I've won a race already. I'm yeah. a Formula One winner. Yeah, just just the takeaway, just the feeling of winning the previous race to winning this this race is got to be completely different for him. But he's got the skills. Yeah, he's got the skills definitely. Yeah, yep. and it, clearly he's got a capable car, especially on a track like yeah. Monza. This should put a lot of uh, uh, of uh, stories or mum, uh, whispers or, or grumbling about Leclerc to rest. Yep. Definitely, he can he can definitely drive. And and I I don't want to be I don't want to be a hater when it comes to Vettel because this is a hugely accomplished driver. He's 32 years old. He's a four times world champion. Uh, he has 117 podiums and 234 races. He has 56 poles. Like this guy can drive. I, I think this year is turning into something emotionally of a challenge for him. I mean, I, I can't I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in that situation where you're on a team, you're the champion, you're not winning races this year, you haven't won a race in more than a year, your teammate, the young guy, has now won two races coming out of the summer break, and then you make a... And it's not like he finished second or third in this race and he was there to celebrate. He made a, a, a terrible blunder, really two mistakes, because he made an unforced error to spin and then to drive onto the track and hit stroll, like... It's got to be a tough position for him. And I was listening to the Checkered Flag podcast, the BBC podcast, and and they posed the question, like, do you, and I think people are sincerely asking this question now, like, does he return to Ferrari next year? And if this kind of experience continues through the back half of the year, Leclerc winning races or contending for podiums and consistently outperforming Vettel, does he want to come back? Well, I look at it this way. He's, like you said, he's an experienced driver. Regardless of what team he goes to, he brings that experience with him. Sure. 
he can drive a car regardless if it's a Ferrari or, or whatnot. It comes down to the type of car he's going to drive. So we look at Ferrari. Are they setting him up for success? Are they giving him a car that's going to, you know, win races? Is the team mentally and physically preparing him for 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 the race? Right. And it all comes down to team reliability and, and also their 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 stature. Does Ferrari want Vettel to come back next year? You know. They, you know, they see a win with Leclerc. Let's let's get some some young blood in here. Let's get some some new new drivers that that have that that um, that drive that that hunger for for the win. Where Sebastian's won so many already, it just comes down to maintaining his status as a as a champion as a good driver. But does Ferrari want to keep someone who's a, a has been now, or you know, could, I know, I know could potentially mean. I know be what a has been? Yeah. And it's funny, like you you make a great point, and it's not something that I, I'd ever considered before because I, I keep looking at this through the Vettel lens, which is does he want to go back would he want to go back but really maybe the question is does ferrari want him back and maybe he wins a couple of races through the back half of this year and all's forgotten and they get to go into next season with two drivers that are winning races but if he continues to perform like he has this race and some of the other races this year and he continues to make mistakes Ultimately, if you're Ferrari, maybe you're better off having a second young driver and focusing your entire strategy around Charles Leclerc because maybe Sebastian Vettel just becomes a distraction where people like you and I are asking questions like this rather than just focusing on the good news, which is they have this unbelievable young driver who could compete with Max and Lewis for years to come. Definitely. Like I said, who who knows what's going to happen in the future? Maybe Ferrari offers Verstappen. You know, a seat at, at Ferrari, and then you yep. know you got a couple of young drivers, a couple of guys who are like young, really itching to and have that hunger to win. So, yeah, tough race for for Vettel. Unfortunately, from a a Canadian perspective, it destroys Lance Stroll's race. So Lance was in a great position at that point. He was running in seventh place. He managed to pick up a couple of points or positions after the start, and and it's also really unfortunate because. Racing Point has had a great run the last couple of races. I, I think they prior to prior to this race, they picked up two points finishes in Belgium. Sergio Perez managed to pick up some points in this race and Stroll doesn't, but ultimately they could have had double back-to-back points yes. finishes, but they don't because of this. So ultimately Stroll's kind of strong qualifying is for not, but again, that's just the nature of racing. Um, anything else that kind of caught you on this one? Daniel Ricciardo? phenomenal race he Mm -hmm. ultimately finishes p4 which is a great performance from him and teammate uh daniel or oh my goodness daniel um (laughs) his teammate hulkenberg manages to finish in five fifth spots so a phenomenal race for renault finishing p4 p5 we've got bottas and hamilton two and three i want to talk about mercedes for a bit give them some love because they i thought they had a phenomenal race too they did everything uh, that they could, they were pulling, trying to pull out all the tricks to try and catch up and beat Leclerc, trying to yeah. do undercuts, trying to do um, tire stability. But the way that the track is set up and the way the Ferrari is set up, they were just way too fast. You know, Hamilton did his best, and then Bottas ends up switching positions where he's now behind yeah. Leclerc. Yep. He was really close up until that, that lockup mistake, I think five laps yeah. uh, prior to the end where he locks up. And, and loses, uh, loses uh, a lot of time behind Leclerc. So, one, I, I agree with you. I think for all the acknowledgement of Leclerc the past two weekends, ultimately Mercedes still finished second and third in both of those They're races. leading constructors. Hamilton still tops in points. Absolutely. I, I think maybe the one thing that we haven't touched on is 
while it was really entertaining to watch Bottas attack Leclerc and Hamilton before him attack Leclerc, I, I think we're kind of letting Leclerc off a little bit because there was a point in this race where he puts Hamilton on the grass and the race oh, stewards yeah. do kind of call him out on this and they, they basically they didn't penalize him because they ultimately could have they could have said hey here's a five second penalty or a drive through or hey you know you have to give up that position but he puts Hamilton on the grass in a position that in other races this year and last year have resulted in penalties and when asked about it after the race Hamilton was asked about it by some of the British media he he didn't want to get into it too much but he said hey it's Italy he, he hey, was pretty it's, composed it's about Italy. it yeah hey it's Italy it's yeah. Italy and I think obviously it, it was either a flippant comment or he was trying to express frustration that hey look a decision was made on that maneuver because this was Italy and maybe if this was any other track maybe Leclerc would have had a penalty or would have had to give up the position but what Hamilton's saying is hey it's Italy they're in front of their home fans they don't want to destroy the narrative and force him to lose the race Hamilton was a great sport about it at the yeah. end of the race when they all pulled up uh, one two and three he came out he, he tapped uh, Leclerc on the helmet shook True. his hands for the win yep um, how I see it I'm glad you brought it up because how I see it is that Leclerc was going into that turn I saw it as him taking the turn racing line yeah. um, and if Hamilton happened to be pinched it's a racing incident. Yeah. I didn't. I don't see it as intentional or a defensive move to kind of push him off the track. He. It was. It was so close to, to, to call. Like he was really coming up to the, to the to the turn and taking his sure. line in for the turn. And he was ahead of Hamilton. Sure. No different than I mentioned at uh, the last race where, um, Raikkonen, uh, Raikkonen was cutting that apex, yeah. and Verstappen got clipped. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I look at it as a racing incident or. Or where uh, Leclerc was taking the uh, taking the line for the turn. As a Lewis Hamilton fan, um, I'll describe what I saw in that corner. I saw Charles Leclerc throw a bucket full of banana peels out of the vehicle, <laughs> and then I saw him start shooting turtle shells at Hamilton's <laughs> silver Mercedes. Yeah. So that's what that's what strategy. I yeah, yeah that's Mario that's what strategy. I saw the, okay. the Mar. <laughs> I saw the Mario Kart strategy deployed in full, but you're right; it could have gone either way, and ultimately, it would have been. As much as much as I am a Hamilton fan, it would have sucked to see Leclerc lose the race because of that. And to me, that's still just it's the byproduct of racing. And I didn't think it was flagrant. And I think he was hanging on for dear life, and he was under immense pressure from two super capable Mercedes cars. It is what it is. We move on. I think. I think the conversation within the Formula One community is there probably just isn't enough consistency about how things like that are called where one race is a penalty and the next race it's not a penalty maybe just because of the circumstances but ultimately did you did you enjoy the race I loved it yeah. it was great so you know I. you got a fast fast track Mercedes fans yep. uh, Ferrari fans yep. Ferrari wins you got pairs of Bolica Bo uh, oh, <laughs> I love that I love so that I, turn let's move on I let's move on a, an absolute sea of red and these fans were crazy they deserved the win uh, tough weekend for Sebastian Vettel a great weekend for Renault managing to pick up P4 managing to pick up P5 uh, Alex Albon in his second outing now yes, for yes. Red Bull finishes P6 um, which overall 
would have been nice to see him finish ahead of the the Renaults. But I think if he's fighting to keep that seat at Red Bull, then he's doing a great yeah, job because he had definitely. a great weekend last weekend yeah. at Belgium. He picks up P6. Sergio Perez, out of nowhere, doesn't even get to Q1, but he managed to finish P7. So Racing Point is really starting to get a little bit of momentum here and pick up some points. So great race for him. Max, uh, despite the issues in qualifying, uh, manages to climb into P8. So he picks up a couple of points. From a Italian perspective as well, we should mention as well that uh, Giovinazzi manages to finish in the points. So he finishes, I think, P9, yep. triples his points on the season because prior to this race, he had a single um, championship Point. point. Yep. So good to see from him. And then ultimately, Lando Norris for McLaren finishes P10 to round out the, the points. But overall, I thought it was a great weekend. Other than that joke of a Q3, which is hopefully going to be addressed. And you and I were looking at this. It hasn't been substantiated, and I still question some of the sources, but by all accounts, Formula One's looking to do something fairly drastic with qualifying next year to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Formula One tends to move very slowly in terms of changes because oftentimes you've got FIA negotiating with Formula One and Formula One has to negotiate with the teams and the teams have to negotiate with the engine manufacturers and the drivers. So typically changes happen very, very slowly, but it would be nice to see something a little bit more exciting from uh, a qualifying session going forward. But yeah, definitely. Any other thoughts from, from this weekend? No, I think we covered a majority of it. Like yeah. a, a lot of the talk was about Leclerc's win. Uh, a lot of the talk was about uh, Ferrari and yep. uh, and Vettel's uh, Vettel's uh, uh, racing position. Uh, what uh, Mercedes could have done better, but no, I think it was, it was good. It was a pretty straightforward race. It was exciting. It was top speed. Uh, it was really good. I enjoyed good, it. Good news if you enjoyed the race as well. They announced, uh, Formula One announced during the race weekend that they've extended the uh, contract with the Italian Grand Prix with uh, with the host and the organizer. So this race will continue on through at least 2024. And one of the stories that actually broke following the race is that there's at least two other organizations and at least two other tracks in Italy that may be looking to start bidding for an additional or a second Italian race in the next one to five years, which would be interesting. So potentially you could have two Italian races on the calendar. And given how much these fans uh, obsess about the sport and given how they show up, like I, I would have no uh, no second thoughts about a second event in Italy as long as it doesn't compromise the success that is Monza. So I, I think that's it. From a driver's championship perspective, Hamilton with his eight wins continues to sit about 100 points above, above, above Max yeah. and above Charles Leclerc. Bottas sits second. He's about 63 points behind at 221. And Mercedes is absolutely destroying the field in the constructors. 505 points, about 150 points ahead of Ferrari. So we head now into uh, the next race weekend, which is Singapore. Yes. Uh, the first ever night race. Not the only night race now, but the first ever night race. This race is incredibly exciting. We saw some absolute chaos there a couple of years yeah. ago with Raikkonen yeah. and Vettel, yeah. um, of all things. But uh, I look forward to that one as well. Yeah, this so, is going to be a good one. I like the night races. Yeah, back to the uh, back to the flyaways, as they call it in Formula One. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the race. This was a, a banger, and the streak continues. We haven't had a bad race really since maybe France now yeah 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 it was good any other thoughts before we sign off no i'm good you yeah this is uh this is great great race i can't wait to uh get back in front of everybody uh, after the singapore uh run free nice cool peace, peace. thanks everyone for joining us you have been a great audience this is sarah signing off at flash f1 with gil and mark <laughs> <laughs>